It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We are the Bride Radio, is the voice of the true Bride of Christ. WATV Radio seeks to inform and engage the Bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATB Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army. So we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go bride! Our soon coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are The Bride Ministries, We Are The Bride Radio, or We Are The Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power, experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. Check out our website at www.eastgateministries.com.
I think, you know, the thumbs in the hand ministry, the thumbs represent the apostolic. And I heard this thumb a while back, and then I heard it again over Christmas. Then I mashed it with a hammer after that. And then I heard this one going here. Now, I've, and I, the prophetic action is as anointed as a prophetic word. Yeah. I'm taking this as a sign. The apostolic is going to be under attack for 2019. What is the apostolic? The apostolic. I'm taking this as a thing. There's no way I would have two thumbs bumped up at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Unless God was trying to get my attention. And I hit myself with a hammer, you know. <coughs> we, may, we, may, uh, we may inflict our own wounds sometimes, you know. Actually, I guess I inflicted all of it. <laughs> so anyway, I'm putting that out there just in case anybody gets a witness on this. Praise the Lord. Okay, we got some tech, technical activities going on. It connected to your web, to your Facebook page, so we can do it all at once. Okay, we're on Facebook Live. So, uh, anybody got a testimony while we're waiting here? Well, anybody got a testimony? testimony? Come on, come on back here, Susie. Susie, Susie, I mean, I'm Susie Bale. I'm sorry, Susie Bale. It's not really a testimony. It's just kind of like an exhortation. When you were singing that song, I owed a debt I did not pay. Well, this morning I was reading in my devotional that the word debt, some Greek word I can't remember it. But it means obligation, and that really hit me. It's like, people don't get in debt these days too easily. You know, America's in debt, everyone's in debt, family's in debt. But we don't take it like an obligation that we have to pay it back. People try to get out of paying back their debts and try to go bankrupt or whatever. But God sees it as an obligation, but it's the debt of our sins. And that just really hit me that we had the obligation to pay that that we couldn't pay in Jesus. Thank you. Since I, I said Susie Nugent, it may be she's watching or she or we did or she's on our mind. So sometimes when I say a wrong name, it's because God is reminding us to pray for that person. But um, the Lord showed me one time about that. As we forgive those who owe us and we don't demand that they pay us their debt, then God forgives us our debt. Amen. That's not only our sins, that's the money that we owe on earth. Amen. Amen. And in that, I, you know, I'm debt free. The church is debt free. Because we don't, uh, uh, I don't hold any debts against anyone. No debts. Uh, I give it away. I don't loan it. I give it away. Okay, go ahead, Henry. Guys, I just got a you talking about the hands. I just thought about, I mean, your hand. Why don't you come in here in front of the camera so people can see who's talking? Hello, everybody out there in the Facebook land. Ray, Robin, and Simon get their business taken care of. You got it? Henry's got to work. I was just, when you was talking about the injury on your hand or your thumb, I just thought about Ursula, you, and I think Sandra, I saw somebody with a. 
Now I just remind you of the scriptures where you know he teaches our hands to war and our fingers to fight. And you mentioned about an attack on the apostolic, and I see that the enemy is definitely trying to attack us, and then he uses your hand because when Moses, when God asked, What's in your hand? It was a rod of and so that's where you know we get our strength, our power is in our hands. So God is the finger of God, the, the hand of God, and so that really is a prophetic uh, gesture of action that's taking place that the enemy is attacking the strength of God. And he'll attack it through our hands, our thumbs, our fingers, whatever. Because that's what we used to fight. We hold uh, the sword of the spirit is in our hands. And so I can just see that the enemy is really attacking um, the apostolic, the prophetic. Uh, you see there's progress taking place so he's trying to come against the body of life. So yeah. you said that, that I just yeah. had a witness with I'll that. go ahead and make the point. I'm sure all of you have heard the uh, analogy of the hand ministry. Uh, the finger, it represents the prophet because it's the pointer. Mm -hmm. It points you in the direction. The middle finger is the pastor. The uh, This finger is the evangelist. This one is the teacher. And the thumb is the apostolic. Because it governs. Well, I'll go back this way. Prophet guides. Pastor guards. Evangelist gathers. Teacher grounds. Apostle governs. Mm. Now, not only would the government of, of the church be under attack, if, if I'm right about this sign, but also our government, our nation's government, is under attack. And the government of the kingdom of God should be over the nation. Yes. So the church needs to step up and take the authority that God has given the church to begin our warfare to take over the government because the spirit of Ahab has taken over your government shutdown. So the government of God needs to rise up and quit being uh, uh, wounded and uh, um, what is it? Maimed. And they need to step up and take over the government of God. Amen. Amen. Prophetess Robin Tom Rogers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to let her do this. I'm coming to you because I am ready. Okay. All right. I'm going to bring a chair. Can I do that? Yes. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious in my meetings because I believe God's a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious God, and I was like, well, why can't I say that in my meetings? And this said, because it's witchcraft, and I was like, well, I said, but what? It's because as Mary Poppins, she had a magical bag and a magical umbrella, so you shouldn't use supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. But if you look up the word, it means superb. It means wonderful. If you look up the word, it was never used for witchcraft. It was used where Dick Van Dyke was singing a song, saying his daddy would pull his ear and say. You're super telling how wonderful he was. 
And the most amazing thing is that when the Spirit of God moves in our lives, I've lost my pen, that he's wonderful and he loves us. I had a daddy that told me all my life, from the day I was born, I can honestly say, I cannot remember, he never whipped me. My mother thought I needed whippings, but my daddy never whipped me. He told me I was perfect. He told me God was going to use me and take me to the nations. I didn't know I wasn't perfect until I got married. My husband told me I wasn't perfect. <laughs> Is that the truth? It was a very horrible revelation because I was perfect, you know. And I mean, I never, I never lusted after men. I grew up Jesus. It was all Jesus. When I went to Bible school, I would sit in the front. I was only 16 years old, Carolyn, and I would be in the front. I just wanted more of Jesus. I was just hungry to be used of God. I remember 15 years old being put in a Catholic boarding school. My mom had died when I was 14, and my father really didn't know what to do with me. And I was the youngest of 10 children. And uh, I wanted to go home to South Africa. I'd been living over here in America for a year by myself in an apartment at 14 years old. And I said to him, I said, Daddy, but I learned. I learned something to you that during that time, in that whole year that I lived in St. James Court in Louisville, Kentucky, a very prestigious neighborhood, amazing neighborhood. But at the same time, I wasn't allowed to go out because there was a park on the corner that was that everybody, there was a lot of gangs or a lot of things happened even in the 70s. But I remember during that time of being alone, because I had been brought up around the atmosphere of the prophetic, of the anointing, of the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious ways of God, of signs and wonders, that's all I knew, and that's what I believed in. And so even at night, when I would go to sleep, I remember at eight years old, I had seen the angel of death walk in our house and walk in my dad's room and tell him, I've come to kill you, I've come to take you. And my father, I remember running in the room saying, Daddy, Daddy, there's a ghost in the house. And he said, how do you know? I said, I saw the man walk in the front door. I never saw his face, never saw hands. I just saw the body. And I saw him walk in, walk in the room, saw the light go off, and I heard him talking. <clears throat> and I remember going to the room saying, Daddy, Daddy, there's a ghost in the house. And he said, how do you know? And I said, because it walked through the front door. It went in your bed and returned your life off, and it spoke to you. Well, my father had been diagnosed with a tumor on the brain. And the doctor had told him he was going to die unless he had an operation. And I remember my dad saying all the time he was talking to his doctor, because I was with my dad. The whole time, because I was his shadow, the whole time he told the doctor, well, this is what God can do, and this is what I believe. And the whole time that he'd had this time period before he even went to the doctor, he was blind with this tumor on the brain. But he kept preaching. He didn't let it stop him. He didn't let it deter him. And he had some of the greatest miracles during that time. I think it's probably because he wasn't looking with the eyes of the natural. He was literally having to rely on the realms of the spirit. You know what I mean? And so what ended up happening was... That, that night, he told that doctor, well, I'm going to go home and believe the God that I know can heal me. And the doctor said, well, if that's what you want to do, you go home and do it. Well, that night, the set, that angel of death walked in his room. And I remember walking in that room saying, Daddy. And he said, how do you know? And I told him. And do you know, my father started telling me how many years before I was even born, when he first got saved, he had had asthma. And his asthma was so bad but he wanted to preach the gospel. He had been to a man named Ephraim Bosworth's meeting, and he hadn't been healed of the asthma. And he'd seen the miraculous. He had seen cripples running. He had seen the blind eyes open. He'd seen the deaf ear. And he wanted that anointing. He wanted that power of God to operate through his life because God had set him free of alcoholism. God had just totally destroyed the yoke of death off of our family, and he set our whole family free on a path of righteousness that down the, through the, the ages, you can look back now and say, look at the fruits of what God did. But it took surrender, and it took obedience, and it took just be willing to lay down everything and serve God. But I remember my dad telling me that night when the Lord literally miraculously healed him that night. <clears throat> was when 
My father said, Robin, when, when you, before you even were born, I had asthma so bad, and I had gone to Bosworth's knee, and I had seen the miraculous. And I went home, and I said, God, if you can do it through Bosworth, you can do it to me. You can heal me in this room right now. I don't need a man to come lay hands on me. I need you to touch me. And he had even gone and asked one of the local pastors, can you pray for me to be healed? And the pastor had said, well, we can't do that. Only the American evangelists know how to do that. <laughs> Only the American evangelists. That's the truth, you know. And my father had such a tenacity because once you've tasted, it's like once you've tasted that the Lord is good, once you've had an experience of the revelation, of the power, of the manifested power of God, that, you know, that song, he touched me, mm -hmm. oh, he touched me, and all the joy that floods my soul, something wonderful happened. And now I know he touched me, and he made me whole. Let me tell you something, that touch, that song was inspired by a touch of God on the songwriter. In a moment of time, in a second, and they wrote that down. And that's what happened to my dad, and when the Spirit of God touched him, and that's what's happened to us. We're here today, we're hungry for God on a Tuesday morning, thirsty for more of him. Because we were shackled by a heavy burden. Was neath the load of guilt and shame. But then the wonderful hand of Jesus, he came and touched us. And now we are no longer the same. <coughs> We've been changed. Yeah. And we're being changed from one realm of glory to the next realm of glory. And my father was touched and changed. So what ended up happening was that during that time that he'd been in Bosworth, he went home and he said, God, I've got asthma. And I'm going to preach the gospel. And I know you've called me to preach. And he said, you're either going to heal me or take me. And he started believing God that night to heal him. And he literally put aside all his pillows, everything. He had four or five pillows. He had to sleep on to breathe, all this medicine. But that night, he had a vision. And in this vision, he was literally found himself in a pit. He went into a coma while he was believing God for his healing. He went into a coma. And he found himself in a pit. And he said, in this pit... He said there was all sorts of stuff. There were scorpions, there were snakes, there were spiders. There was all this stuff. And he looked around and he saw the most beautiful green pastures. But he saw a man rowing towards him on a boat. And he said he knew that was the angel of death. And he said he started quoting the scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lay down in green pastures, destroyeth my soul. And he said when he got to, yea, that I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he said an unseen hand reached down into that pit and picked him up and put him on those green pastures and his bronchial tubes were instantly opened. Wow. Instantly opened. And that angel of death left. Now it was years later and I'm born. And the angel of death now walks into the house. But now you see, there are realms, there are levels, there's dimensions of an anointings of glory God wants you to step into. God wants you to possess. God wants to release through you. There's revelations of faith. There's revelations of prophetic utterances, of, of discernment, of, 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 of deliverance. There are things of wisdom. There's things God wants to operate through your life. It's not about you being a name or being on television or having fame or glory. It's about being a surrendered vessel. It's about being available, making yourself, your spirit available to the things of God. This body's going to pass away, but your spirit, it goes on. And it's going to stand before the throne room of God, and it's going to give an account for what it's done. But the spirit of God, listen, that night when I walked in that room, my father said the same angel walked into his room, the angel of death. And it said, I am the angel of death. I've come to get you. But now my father had risen to a realm, a level 
a dimension of faith that before he was intimidated by fear. He was intimidated by the unknown. But faith never hesitates. Faith leads you where reason cannot walk. And my father literally out of nowhere says to this angel, because I came out of the spirit. It was the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that quickened the mortal body of Jesus Christ and raised him from the dead. The same Holy Spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in every single one of you. Your carriers of the glory, your carriers of the anointing. And that Holy Spirit came and it literally brought the counsel of the Father's heart to my Father's spirit. And out of my Father's belly flowed, you lying devil. He didn't speak a scripture. This time he rose up in statue. And he said, you lying devil. You have no legal right in my spirit, soul, body. I command you in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And that thing walked through the window. And a voice said to my dad, you're going crazy. You're going crazy. It never happened. How many times hasn't Jesus touched you and the devil's told you afterwards? Didn't happen. It's going to come back on you. You're not worthy of it. And always puts condemnation on you. Always does something and brings Sister Bucket Mouth to come, come and destroy your vision for the moment. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you. And my father said, just like that, he was healed of the tumor of the brain. Just like that. And God used him that night. Why am I telling you this? Because years later, all that time from the age of 8 years old to 14, till I got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and understood who I was in Christ Jesus. And I hadn't come to the fulfillment of it yet. I didn't really come to the realization of the power until I was about 30 years old of what I had because I lived in Daddy's shadow. I, I knew the anointing. I knew that Jesus was alive. I knew the reality of laying hands on the sick. I knew that he leads me and he guides me. But there's something about an endowment of a revelation that came on me when I turned 30 years old. I can't explain it to you. I just, something happened. It's like God unleashed Wonder Woman. That's all I can say. And he said, go for it. Run to the nations. It's like he did something in me that made me no longer look what was in my hands. I think because before I was so caught up in the tradition of, of men. I was so caught up in the tra tradition of religion that everything was one, two, three, four, five. And you had, a, you had to sing certain songs and you had to do it this way. And you had to get up and say this and you had to know how to do a sermon. And if you waited to figure out how to give a sermon, if you're waiting to figure out how you're going to prophesy, if you're waiting to figure out how you're going to be a handmaid of God or a servant of God, let me tell you something. It comes through in the presence of Jehovah. Amen. It comes through, and it's a suddenly. It, before you know it, you'll find yourself absolutely wrapped up like cotton candy, wrapping around that stick. You're wrapped around. The, the anointing of God just wraps around your spirit, man. And the next thing you know, you don't care who's in front of you. You don't look at them. You don't see them. You see the spirit of God and their spirit, man. You see life in them. You see the enemy, what he's used to bring them down. You start seeing them through the eyes of Jesus. You don't see your mother-in-law as a snake with ten, ten fangs. You all of a sudden say, oh, she's been driven by the pits of hell. we got to pray for her. And you start seeing people that what their youth was and what they were brought up in, and they had once had aspirations just like you. But the difference between you and a lot of people you minister to is that you caught a hold of who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And you want to release that through you. Amen. You want God to come and release that vision through who they can be in Christ Jesus. What God can, and that's what my dad did for me. He released into me who God could be in me. He would always say, Robin, you're going to go to the nations. Robin, God's going to use you. You're going to prophesy. Robin, men would say, who is this woman that walks with such faith? And he would always prophesy, Robin, Robin, Robin. Everybody around me was like, oh my God, she's wild. Oh, she's a mess. 
She never shuts up. Oh, she says, I mean, I was put down all the time. My brothers, don't walk in front of the bus, you'll run it down. I mean, all the time. I mean, you know, totally persecuted, Carolyn. But at the same time, when it came to the time my mother died, the night my mother died, I had a vision. I literally had a vision. I was 14 years old, and I had a vision. And everything in me wanted to be used of God. But at the same time, the Bible says, your spirit is willing, your flesh is weak. And in this vision, I wanted to be a part of the body of Christ. I didn't realize until years later what I had seen. But not many years later. But I walked into a foyer. I remember in this vision, I walked into the most beautiful, magnificent foyer. And there were crosses all over the floor. The floor was covered in alabaster. It was most beautiful. It wasn't granite. It was alabaster. It was beautiful. It was polished. There were gems all over the walls. It was just glorious. And I looked at this and I thought, this is amazing. I want to be a part in this place. But there were crosses everywhere. And I thought, but I don't want to pick up the cross. I just want to get in with all the other people. I just want to be with them. Don't make me do anything, God. Just let me be happy. And just, you know, because I knew what my dad went through. Because there's always somebody out there to help you remain crucified. And I knew, I knew, I knew. I'm just telling you. It's the truth. I mean, being a preacher and being a pastor and being what you do, let me tell you, they can make you a schizophrenic Christian by the time it's over with. If you don't have the mind of Christ. I've learned they're not paying my bills. They don't pay my light bill, so whatever. You know, I always like to say, is this the best thing you had today, devil? Was there nothing better? I've come to that place in my life, you know? And, and, and so to make a long story longer, in this dream at 14 years old, I finally jumped through all these crosses, didn't touch one of them, got into the middle of this huge auditorium, thousands, you couldn't see, it was a sea of people, there were no walls to it, and I sat down next to a woman who had a baby. And I guess God used that to correlate with my spirit, because I always had the black baby on my hips while their parents were being saved, healed, and delivered, and set free in the tent meetings in Africa. And when they would start singing, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Oh boy, I get to laugh and I can't sing, because it's such a joy, such a joy to know that love, Jesus. And as thou bids me come to thee, I come. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. Yeah. And I would watch as the power of God would start moving in the very atmosphere in those tent meetings or in the town homes or in the, in the homes in the town, in the streets. And I would watch as the anointing of God would literally woo the people out of that place of brokenness and defeat and demonic activity. And they would literally start getting up one by one, nobody saying a word, but that the Spirit of God drew them. And they would run to the altars. And then I would end up with the children, their children. I would be holding the babies. Even though I was a young girl, I have a baby on each hip. And so I remember that something was so to me that I was always carrying the babies, always helping with the, the part of that. And here it was years later, I'm having this vision, and God sits me next to a woman with a baby in arms. And I remember looking at this baby, and it's a beautiful baby, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she said, you know, it's a beautiful baby, but it's a pity it's dead. And I was like, I jumped up, and I ran to the back door, and I couldn't go out because the crosses were in my way. And so I had to sit by the back door and watch. And as I watched, all of a sudden, this woman with the baby appeared on this pulpit, and this man stood next to her. And it's not that I'm anybody great. Listen, I'm, I'm just a woman of God. Just love Jesus. But as this man stood next to her, he all of a sudden got up. He said, this woman, God has brought here tonight. And this woman has a baby. And God has brought this baby here tonight. But this baby's dead. But tonight, God is going to bring this baby to life. And this baby, and he said, this baby's name is Robin Tom Roger. Robin Tom at that time. That was my name. And I watched myself, just like that, come alive in that woman's mm -hmm. arms. And I watched myself start growing in statue. And I started seeing myself preaching. 
and going to the masses. And I started seeing all this stuff happening. And God woke me up with my father saying to me, Robin, God just called mommy home. She's going to be with Jesus. But I just had this whole incredible dream of my future, of what God, and all I wanted was Jesus. That's all I wanted. I didn't know the hiccups. If you had told me of the stuff that was going to attack me, if you had told me the hell that I was going to go through, somebody said, somebody sent me a cartoon last night about holy water. How do you make holy water holy? And somebody had honored and said, you boil the hell out of it. You know? <laughs> I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. But what ends up happening is, is that what it takes is, how do you become a man and woman of God? You're refined in the fire. You're purified through the blood of the Lamb, through his vision, through his revelation, by spending time in his presence. In the presence of Jehovah, lives are changed. The glory of the Lord is there. And so, and so why, why at 14 years old, I was still full of fear because I had not come full of baptism of the Holy Ghost. So here I'm in Lane in Louisville, Kentucky, and every night I would say to the Lord while I stayed in that apartment, Lord, I'm going to sleep now. After I go to sleep, would you put the light on? That was before Benny Ann came out with Good Morning Holy Spirit. And, you know, I was so blessed. I was so honored. My father traveled all over the world. He would come home on weekends and take me when he could. Back then, they didn't have a lot of homeschooling. And so I, I went to school at a Christian school in Louisville, Uncle Wayman, Wayman Rogers School. And, 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 and it was so amazing because I remember sitting there, and the new wine is better. My dad's book had just come out. And that book was life-changing. It was the number one bestseller. I don't get royalties from it, nothing like that. I mean, that obviously the devil comes in and steals, <laughs> but that's okay. But that book, my dad, if you had known my dad, he was never about the money that he got off that book. He was about giving and giving and giving. He made over 100000 a year in 70s, and he died without a penny. Because if, that, if you knew my daddy, when he said, Robin, come on, the Lord says, when he got in that car and he said, Robin, we're going to believe God today for this. And I looked at him and I just, okay, whatever, because I knew it was going to happen. I thought money just flew out of the heavens. <laughs> I, did, I did. I didn't know that you had a little, you know, these people, we're going to intercede and pray now. We need a miracle. we got to raise a million dollar building fund. That wasn't like it with my dad. He would just write in his hands, Lord, if you see money, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And I remember one night we were crying, crying out for, my dad said, Robin, I have a need a miracle. And he would always talk to me like I was just, I was an adult with him, talking Jesus. Always talk. We were in each other's heads all the time talking the things of God. The prophetic was like bubblegum. We just chewed it. We just talked. We never said it was the prophetic. It was just every day, what does the Lord say? What does the Lord tell you? How about, yes, what's happening? You know, it was just said. And I remember one day he said, Robin, we need a miracle. And I said, what do we need, Dad? He said, we need $2,000. I said, what do we need $2,000 for? Well, we've got this need. He built over 60 African faith missions in Africa. And he needed to send $2,000 home to Africa. And I said, okay. So he said, what I'm going to do tonight, Ron, we're not going to eat. We're going to fast and pray. Well, he never fasts and prays. I mean, my God, the man is as big as I am. I mean, he's just, he throw Pentecostal beer with Pepsi Cola. Drink 16 of them a day. I mean, that was what he called Pentecostal beer. But this one night, he said, we're going to fast and pray. And um, he ended up get, becoming very thin. He was very statuous. He didn't need to be thin because when you get thin, women lust after you. When I get thin, men are lust after me. And I don't <laughs> so, so I'm just throwing that in there to see who's awake this morning. I'm just, I'm just entering the big time deliverance ministry. So now I'm ready to lose weight. Okay, I know how to do it. So <laughs> before I would have just broken the neck and gone on. So basically, um, my dad that night said, We're going to believe God. And we were staying in this hotel, and it was connected to a La Quinta Inn or something, up in the Carolina, up in Zanesville, Ohio. 
And I remember this man, of course, the devil always has somebody who wants to take you out for a steak dinner when you're fasting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why my fast is so fast. So here I was, and we're in the room, and he's praying, believing God, and this man came knocking the door, I'd like to take you out for a steak dinner. My father's like, no, it's, no, no, we're not tonight. He never said anything, just no. And so we got in the room, and I was on one side, he was on the other side of the room, and he was just, thank you, Jesus. And he put his hand and he wrote it and said, Lord, do you see my need? I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Thank you for meeting my need. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I glorify you. I mean, that's how it was. And the rest of the time was, we'd get in the car, we'd be driving down, always speaking in tongues, and, and peeling apples while he was driving. You would have thought an apple tree would grow in our car. The peelings were everywhere. <laughs> Oranges, apples, grape seeds, plum seeds. He just dropped them to the floor, and then we'd have to clean. I'd have to clean it when we got to the next stop. You know, we never stopped. I haven't seen the gator farm in Florida yet. I've been wanting to see. I never know tourist attractions along the way. But to get back to what I'm talking about, that night that man asked us to go to dinner. We said no. The next morning we went in to dinner, to breakfast. And as we were sitting there in Zanesville, Ohio, a man walked in with a cowboy hat and cowboy boots on. I will never forget it on my life. I thought Calvary's were only in Texas. And he walked in there, and he said, Brother Tom, Brother Tom. My father said, well, how are you doing, Terry? He said, Brother Tom, do I have problems? And I can tell you to this day, my father would go, oh, tell me your problems. I know the problem solver. He thrived on telling me he knew the problem solver. You know? And I said, uh, he said, Brother Tom, you won't believe what's happened. He said, what happened, Terry? He said, I got a herd of cattle in from Wyoming. And they've been jumping the fences like wild deer. Well, the night before, my dad had said this in the hotel room. Lord, if you have to give me the cattle on a thousand hills, I'll take the cattle on a thousand hills. And I mean, Terry's still alive today. He's at Rob Parsley's church. And that man walked in the next morning and said, I've got problems. My dad said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, Brother Tom, I'd give them to the first person to take these cattle. Would you like some cattle, Brother Tom? And my dad said, I would. Do you really want to give them to me? He said, I would. He said can you take them to market? He said, I'll take them to market. And he took him to market and came back and said, Brother Tom, I'm so sorry. I didn't get what I thought I should get for those cattle. And my dad said, this is how much you got, isn't it? And he had written on his hands exactly the amount we had need of. And he was like, how did you know that, Brother Tom? And he said, because the Lord, that's what I asked God for. And that was how I grew up. The wow. cattle on a thousand hills. Stopping on the sides of the road when we didn't have money to pay the toll. And my mother saying to my dad, Brother Bob, what are you doing, Bob? What are you doing? And my dad would be digging in a snowbank. And he said, Joyce, don't ever question the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, don't you ever question the Holy Spirit. And there's a dearth in the land for men and women of God that walk like that in this hour. You know? And I remember my father putting his hand in that snowbank and pulling out a change purse full of change to pay the toll. Always oh, supercalifragicespialidocious. Wonderful. Wonderful. Miracle working power of God. Down to just little things. I'd say one time we were driving somewhere. All of a sudden, a whole herd. It was in Africa. We were in a in a in a in a, in a country road, and there was nowhere to go except forward. And all of a sudden, here came the shepherd with a bunch of sheep. And the man who was driving said, "Brother Tom, brother Tom." And my father was reading a newspaper. And all of a sudden, I heard my daddy say, "Lord, your angel, Lord, your angel." And just like that, our car was put in front of that herd of sheep. Just like that, we never hit the sheep. You didn't even know it happened. It happened so fast, you didn't even know what had happened. Because that's how God operates. He, any time he needed. One time this man told me, he said, I asked your dad, I said, Brother Tom, what are we going to do? You've asked me to take you here to Johannesburg, a thousand miles away from Cape Town. We don't have any money. 
We have no money for a hotel. We have no money for gas to go home. And, and you, said, you said we were going to stay with these people. And now we've got here, and you're telling me right before we get to the people's house that the Lord just spoke to you and said the couples had a fight for not staying there. He said, what are we going to do, Brother Tom? And I mean, I don't know why I'm telling all these stories. I guess I need to stir up some faith in all of us. Mm -hmm. and, and, he, and my father said, don't you worry. The angel of the Lord will provide. And they went and booked in a hotel. Back then, you could pay when you were leaving. And, and my father, you know, now you could, you know, it was a water system back then. And then my father, they goes to breakfast the next morning. My, this man said, I was sweating, Robin. I looked at him and put, my God, they're going to repossess my car. They're going to keep my car. We're never going to get home to Cape Town. What are we going to do? And your father is sitting there eating bacon and eggs and toast and reading the newspaper like nothing was wrong. And I said, Brother Tom, what are we going to do? And my father said, don't worry, the angel of the Lord will provide. The angel of the Lord will provide. Just then a telegraph boy came in and he said, telegram for Reverend Tom, letter for Reverend Tom on his little tray. And the next thing you knew, my father took the letter, looked at the man, said, here, go pay the bill. Never knew anything, didn't even open the envelope, and it was exactly what they needed to pay the bill and to get gas to go home. Well, they call it petrol then. That's the atmosphere I grew up in. I sat in Louisville, Kentucky last week, Carolyn. I was sitting there, and there's been such a dearth in this land, in the nation. For the word of God spoken with signs and wonders following. And I was crying to the Lord. I said, God, is it done? Is it done? You know, what next? What are you doing, God? And then I said, God, don't let me be like Eli. That my eyes will grow dim by looking at the lay of the land. Because he lost vision. He lost faith. He lost hope. And I got to thinking how God raised up a little Samuel. A young man that he had really predestined to come to a place that one day he would anoint Saul to be king because that's what the people wanted. But then he would anoint another man to take a place called David. And that he, out of his very lineage would come Christ the king. Out of that very man's legacy would come the son of the living God. That we are sitting here today filled with life, filled with hope, filled with utterance filled with travail and prevail, that we know God has not left this land forsaken because we are a remnant. No, there's not just us. In this room today, there's a host of heavenly angels that stand with us, that there's a war that goes on in the realms of the spirit. When Daniel went before the Lord to cry that the children of Israel would be set free out of Babylonian captivity, he must have thought, man, am I the only one in the land? But God always has a man. He always has a woman. He always has somebody that knows his voice, that has separated themselves and sought his face. And Daniel fasted before God and said, God, the fast didn't mean that right away it was going to happen. It didn't mean that he saw the salvation of God for the children of Israel. In fact, in the midst of it, the angel of the Lord came first, the first time in Daniel 9. And he said, Daniel, I've come to skill you and teach you in the ways of God. How many know that as you are fasting and seeking the face of God, that the Holy Spirit comes to skill you and teach you and to anoint you and guide you and birth in your spirit, man, what you need to prevail for, what you need to speak for. And it's not always about you. You might be in a place where you have no money, you have no food in the house, you have no home to go sleep in, but you have the voice that is like the sound of many waters 
pouring through your spirit man yeah. and you have within you the anointing that God has given you that you've come to the place you don't care what you drive you don't care what you own you don't care how much jewelry you have how much money you have in the bank if you have a house of dough all you said is God all this is going to pass away but what I have is you and as I was I breath in my spirit man let me release what needs to be spoken in this hour Daniel was on the brink of knowing that if he continued in the path that he was at Already there was the religious sector, note the religious, the hierarchy, that were already coming against him. You can't do that. You won't, no, 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 oh no. Darius, he's causing people to bow down to his God. You need to make a proclamation. They need to bow down to you, Darius. Next thing you know, Darius is making this proclamation, tricked, tricked by it all. And the next thing you know, he's weeping and crying. The king that came after Daniel, that made the proclamation that you got to go into the den. No, 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 no. God started speaking to Darius's heart. Darius, the Bible says, the minute that Daniel went into that place, the minute that he went into that place of the fiery furnace, the minute he went into that place where the lions surrounded him, the Bible says that the king was so sore in his spirit, he was so convicted that he threw himself into his chamber and he locked the door and he didn't want nobody to disturb him. Nobody could disturb him. And the next day when he came out and he went after Daniel, and he said this to Daniel, the God that you serve, has he delivered you? Has he delivered you? Listen, when the angel of the Lord finally came to Daniel, 21 days, 21 days, he said to him, hey, Daniel, I would have been here sooner, but I was fighting the principalities and the powers of the air. How many know that the devil has always got somebody to bring you into a place where you don't, you like impatient, well, you all, I can't wait anymore, God. When is this going to happen? What are you going to do, God? But when the Spirit of God comes, it's like somebody births something in your spirit that explodes in you and you recognize, wait a minute. It's like you're supercharged with a fresh fire, a fresh anointing, that even in the times of trials and weakness and you're tired of waiting on the God and tired of waiting for the miracle and tired of waiting for what you need to come in, God's been actively at work. God's at work behind the scenes. Amen. You may not see it, but he's at work on your behalf. He would never leave you forsaken. The devil will distort everything. He'll make it magnified. What are you going to do? It's hopeless. But I'm here to tell you something. When you lead by the wind and the spirit of God, when you're led by the spirit, where he leads me, I must follow. Where he leads me, I must follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. When he leads me through the valleys, when he leads me on the mountain, when he leads you through life's death's door, when the enemy tries to bring death upon you, God will lead you forth out of it, or he's going to take you into a place of glory. Amen. Either way, you can't die. Amen. So I was showing Carolyn this one thing. I'm just ministering just a little bit this morning. But I was showing Carolyn something. And I want to read it. Can I read that thing? I was crying to the Lord because I've been around a lot of men and women. Last year I had so many deaths happen around me. My brother died. My sister-in-law died. My father-in-law died. It was like if another death happened, I was like, Lord, just beam me up now. Let's just have a Star Trek moment, you know? Let's just let's get over this. If you want to take me, take me now. I'm ready. I'm clean. This day I haven't sinned. I didn't scream. I, didn't, I don't think I've got any sin in my life. You know, I'm pure. I'm dipped in the holy water that we boiled the hell out of. You know, the one I told you about. So, 
So uh, I, I was talking to the Lord, and I was like, God, you know, where? And then the Lord started speaking to me last week. I was saying, God, all these deaths, and then coming across friends of mine. It was so amazing because I'm going to tell you something. My best friend, they diagnosed with him with, with cancer, and I believe in God for his miracle. My other friend who's like a brother to me, who has helped me many times, I went to India with my brother. Uh, just an amazing, him and his wife, whenever I go to Massachusetts, I get to stay in their home. It's nothing glorious. It's not a big, fancy home. I sleep down in the basement. It's beautiful. They've they got a room, just a two-level, two rooms in the basement, and upstairs is the kitchen and the living room, okay? But they're amazing, full of God people. And you want to surround yourself with amazing, full of God people, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I, I went in there, and uh, Irene called me. Irene Richard had just said to me, Robin, you need a new car last a couple of years ago. And I said, Richard, I can't get a car right now because you have to prove Jesus loves you. And I just wasn't, nobody's buying me a car, so I just, you know, I wasn't going to do it. And the next thing he said, I'm going to get you a car. I'm going to co-sign for you to get a car. Go pick out what you want, and I'll help you. And he did. And he's done that twice for me now. He's just been a father. When I needed a washer and dryer, he helped me. He's just always been there. Well, last year, last April, he ended up having a back operation and within three weeks was paralyzed from the neck down. Oh, my God. Totally paralyzed. Well, that was another thing that happened, you know, and it's just all the stuff, you know. And so I thought, they don't get depressed, okay, because depression is not of Jesus. Shake Amen. it off. Shake it off. <laughs> don't anybody get upset. Shake it off. Don't stop thinking, well, you know, now, now the devil regurgitate everything you're walking through. Let it go right now, okay? <laughs> don't take it on. It's not yours. It's God's. Give it to him. So here I was, and I was thinking, you know, Lord, I don't want to lose Richard. I've, I've lost five, four or five brothers in the last four years. I don't want to lose Richard. Because he's, I've, got, I've got ministry brothers, lots of them. More than women, because women are catty. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> not all of them, but there's a few. But it ended up that Ted Shuttlesworth called me and he, a couple weeks ago, and he said, Robert. I said, yes, Brother Ted. He said, you know you're a prophet, don't you? I said, well, yeah. He said, you need to make prophetic decrees. I was like, really? I mean, I had never, I mean, I've always just done things. I just do things by the Spirit, but I've never labeled it like, you know, this is a decree. And so I said, okay. So I'm like acting like I know all of it. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> I, know. I have no clue what he's talking about. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like working up decrees. And you know, while he's talking me on the phone, how do you decree something? What do you do? Because I've just all of it, always been spirit led, just come out of my belly. And I do it. I've never, like, this is the decree of God. <laughs> you know, so so um, I started speaking, seeing it, and I started seeing it in the spirit. And he was literally prophetically prophesying to me things that God wanted me to look into. So I go to New Jersey. I'm going to go pray for Pastor Ted, my pastor friend who's got uh, cancer. But in the midst of that, I preached for them Wednesday night, and I couldn't get to him until Saturday. And I had, a, I had a drive three and a half hours down to Massachusetts and go and preach there. Well, I got to Massachusetts Thursday and Friday preaching for the Russians. And on Saturday, I was getting ready to leave, and I thought, I'm going to the nursing home. I'm going to go see Richard. He's been in this rehab nursing home for months now. While I walked in, he, listen, he was paralyzed from the neck down. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't cut his food up. He couldn't do nothing. He's just now getting feeling in his hands where he's able to eat without intravenous feeding. He's able to swallow, all that stuff. I walked in there, and I'm telling you, there's a realm. You know, when I started this thing, I told you, their dimensions are the anointings of God. And there's times where it's a sovereign thing that when it comes on you, you know that God is taking you to a prophetic dimension that's going to release something that is a sonic boom into yes. somebody's life. Yes. Yes. 
And I sat in the library. They brought him out in the library. He's just started sitting in a wheelchair for 20 minutes to an hour at a time. And they brought him out. And I said, Rich, I said, I want you to be quiet. I want Irene to be quiet. She just started talking. He literally talking him too. And I said, I'm getting ready to say something. And I started to cream. I said, you devil of hell. I command you to come out of his body. I command you to loose the spirit of infirmity off of his body right now. I bind every tormenting spirit that is wrapped around his nerves, his muscles, his tissue. I started speaking life to go through his body. I started declaring the fire of God to come upon him, the glory of God, because he was a temple, a habitation of the presence of God, of the anointing of God, of Christ. He was a, a, we host the Holy Spirit. And I started speaking things. I knew that I was in a realm. I knew even Irene's wife said, she said, Rob, when you spoke, the whole room changed. The whole room. But it wasn't me. It was a new anointing that came on me in that second. That I wish was there. Haven't you ever just wished I had this all the time? You know what I'm saying? You want it all the time. But it's like there's sporadic moments that God just does something. Yes. That's beyond anything. And I hadn't fasted. There was no works about it, folks. Yes, yes, yes. All I did was surrender to Jesus and here I am using Mm -hmm. I left that hospital, left that rehab. I left, I, flew, I went down, I drove back to, to uh, that day I drove to uh, New Jersey, preached the next morning, went and saw Ted, sat with him for about four or five hours and prayed and he wept and cried. And he, he, God just really touched us both in that room and his family. God just really touched his family. I leave, I get a phone call from Irene two days later. Rob, Richard's walking. He took 32 steps. The next day, Richard's taking 150 steps. He's moving. He's coming back to life. He's been changed. But it's not just me. There were other people who were praying. It wasn't just me. Never, ever take the accolades. Never. Because that's another thing that will destroy you. That's right. It will. Because they're in a pride into your heart. It wasn't me. It was a journey of multitudes of people that knew what it was to pray and in one second it's almost like God would turn up the gas you know when you turn remember the gas turn up the gas and boom yeah. and, and if you don't have a light right away it's just you go around looking for the match and then you do light it and the next thing you know you have no eyebrows no eyelashes no eyelashes. <laughs> I've done the sun all this you know <laughs> so boom sonic boom well it was the presence of God just touched it the touch of God and that's what it's about but you know what the Lord told me? He said to me, he said, Robin, this year, and I'm not one who does yearly prophecies. I've never been big on that because half the time, I don't know everything, folks. I'm not one 800 prophet. But when I do hear the Lord, I'll be driving down the road. I'll be arguing with my daughter or something or be busy doing something, not even arguing anymore. We hardly ever argue anymore. Only when I'm not right, according to her, I know I'm right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just saying but in the midst of it, there's times that God has said to me, Robin, stop. I want you to do so and so. Mm -hmm. And he arrests your spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's in that arresting where in your obedience of surrender that you step back mm -hmm. and you say, yes, Lord. And you don't try and get in your head and work out what's God requiring, what's he wanting, but you just act on what you feel in your spirit. I was feeling in my spirit a couple of years ago mm -hmm. to pray for a young man. The Lord told me this young man was going to die. I called him up. I said, Tommy, God says you're getting ready to die. You're not safe. You need to stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Tom said to me, he was 32 years old. He said, Robin, 
I'm under grace. He got so caught up in the grace message. I'm under grace. I'm okay. Which meant he was doing heroin and everything else, but he was under grace. Mm-hmm. Under grace. It really ruined him. It destroyed him. Yeah. It really did. People who speak this stuff, they're going to give an account. Mm-hmm. You can. The Bible says in the last days false doctrines will arise and people mm-hmm. will be beguiled. Yeah. I'm telling you. Well, anyway, it ended up, I was going to hear Dutch Sheets and I was all excited because I never get to hear any prophets. I haven't ever been in Chuck Pierce's meetings. I haven't been anywhere. I just, you know, when I see you, that's it. You and I, honey. I just, <laughs> Roger, that's the only one. So I haven't been around the prophets. Everybody knows those prophets. No, I don't know which. And I love Roger's word on it. Roger Teal. It's like, I ask God, whose voice are they speaking with God? Mm-hmm. Is it your voice? <laughs> you didn't know Roger. Yeah. If, if you didn't know Roger, you'd scare the wheelies out of you. I'm just telling you. You have to know him. So, um, so to make a long story longer, I was so excited. I was going to go hear Dutch Sheets. I'm going to go hear Dutch Sheets. Hallelujah. I get to the church out in Radcliffe, Kentucky. People I haven't seen in years, you would have thought Jesus had come back from the dead. They were all there, you know, they were all in the room. You would think he was there, come back from heaven to visit earth. And so I was saying hello to all these friends of mine. I hadn't seen eons because I'm traveling all the time. And the Lord says to me, Robin, leave right now. I was like, I want to go hear Doug Sheets. I can't hear Doug Sheets now. I'm not there. Is there nobody in this room you can ask to do this thing? I mean, what if there has to be somebody else? And the Lord says, leave. He says, I have you on assignment. And I walked out that door, I got in my car, and I was getting ready to get on 65 to go home, because I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I had to get out of there. And the Lord said to me, don't you stay on, get on 31, go through Fort Knox, and go to Dixie Highway, go to, to, to Valley Station in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm driving down the highway, and then he says to me, I want you to call Tom. Well, Tom was the young man, but I had said, you're not safe. Tom, he answered the phone. Tom, this is Robin. I need to come see you. Tom was a real prophet of God at one point. He was a young guy that's full of Jesus. And somewhere along the way, he just got totally messed up with this grace message. He did. I'm just saying. And the next thing you know, I said, Tom, I've got to come see you. He said, you can't come see me. I'm having dinner. I said, Tom, and I heard the noise behind me. I said, you're in a pub. Where are you? You're in a bar. He said, well, I'm at so-and-so, but you're not coming here. You wouldn't come to a bar, Rob. I said, you bet your hiney I'm coming to that bar. Mm-hmm. I said, I would be coming to that bar. <laughs> and so I literally, that's what I told him. And I drove to this mm-hmm. bar. I walked in the bar. Tom was so drunk. Mm-hmm. He was so drunk. I walked in. I looked, and there was another guy that comes to my meeting, sitting hunched over. <laughs> 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 you know, because here comes the prophet, you know. <laughs> I walked in there, and I said, Tom, and Tom is telling her, this is a prophet of God. The Lord speaks to him the whole bar. The whole bar is looking the drinks. Jesus speaks to her. If there's anything in your life, God will tell her. And he's telling everybody. The best witness is a drunk. And so he's telling this couple of them. He says, now, Robin, now he's trying to get the focus on himself. He says, Robin, I need you to pray for this couple. This couple needs your prayer. And I'm like, Tom, I really need to talk to you. No, Robin, I want you to talk to this couple first. You pray for them. I said, I'll tell you what, Tom. I said, this is what we're going to do. And I looked at a couple, and I was trying to be nice. I said, let me do this. Give me five minutes with them, and then I'll, I'll, then I'll pray for you. I'll talk to you. Okay. Well, Tom sat down. He was just drunk. And, of course, while he's trying, here comes the snaggle-tooth waitress with bleached black hair, skin and bone, looked like she had died of heroin three weeks before. And she comes up to the table. You that tongue-talking preacher that he's been telling us all about for the last 20 minutes? And I said, yes, I am. Oh. 
and she just walked up. <laughs> this, this, so there's a reason I'm telling this. Well, it ended up that I'm talking to Tom, and I'm trying to tell him, but he's drunk. But here comes this couple, and the couple sits across from me and says to me, can I ask you a question? And Tom got real quiet, and I said, yes, what can I do for you? And the woman looked at me, this young woman, she said, how many times can you be the woman at the well before the Lord won't talk to you anymore? Mm -hmm. And I knew then I wasn't just there for Tom Daddy. Mm -hmm. I was there for this woman. Mm -hmm. And I started crying in my heart. And I said, ma'am, you know, obviously you know the word and you know the Bible. And you know the stories of the woman at the well. She said, yes. And I said, well, then you know that the Bible says out of your belly flows rivers of living water. And you know that God says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, Jesus lives inside of us. That's what it is to be born again. She said, yes. I said, well, wouldn't you think that the Jesus that we want to talk to you is across the table from you right now in my, in my heart? Mm -hmm. And he's brought me here. And he's drawn you like the woman at the well to come take from the well that's within me to speak into your life. It just, it, it just came out of my spirit. She started crying. And this is, there comes tongue, there comes the black-headed waitress. <laughs> How you doing? Want a beer? No, I don't want a beer. <laughs> you know, always somebody. <laughs> and I looked at this woman, the woman starts crying. And I said, and Tom's real quiet. I said, would you like to pray? She said, yes. I said, you want to, you want to give your heart to Jesus? Yes. And if a guy's with her, it's a boyfriend? Yes. So we all join hands in this bar. Well, you could have heard a pin drop. The whole place bowed their heads. The whole place. Because I didn't do it quietly. I said, Father God, you know our hearts and you know everything about us. And God, you know that we have struggles. And we, you know that we are we frail at times. And God, you know we know we're not perfect. But Lord, you came that we be, have, will have life. And I just started speaking the whole sinner's prayer in an in invitation. Instead of just saying, we're going to pray the Lord Jesus come into my heart so I can get saved today. I said, Lord, if there's anything in our lives that's not of you, we repent today. Lord, if there's anything, God, you reveal yourself to us. Show us. And I just started doing the whole sermon in, in a literal prayer to bring them into salvation. And then we all prayed. And everybody's, and I said, and Father, we're going to pray, our Father who art in heaven. Everybody, our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> just Amen. like that. Just like that. God touched that whole bar. It just, and if I had stepped up, oh God, I can't go in there. What are they going to do? It's going to be all over. Charisma tomorrow. Robert <laughs> Rogers walked into a bar. And you know, but who cares? They're not paying your light bill. They're not. They don't look you up. These churches that you go preach at, they don't come back on you some of them. You know, you just, but you got to go by the spirit. I'm spirit led and spirit fed. And I refuse to look at the dirt that's around me. I refuse to look, like I said earlier, I will not be like Eli and allow my surroundings to affect me that my eyes become dim and my spirit becomes totally barren and dry rotten. I am going to rise up and I'm going to be the woman that God has called me to be and I'm Amen. stepping into the next level, the next level, the next level. There's more. doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. doesn't matter how wrinkled you are, how skinny, how fat. Because to tell you, some people have a temple, some people have a cathedral. I prefer the <laughs> cathedral side right now. But that's getting ready to change anyway. Then I have to deal with that lust thing, so we won't even go there right now. Not me, the men, you know, because when you're skinny. Yeah. But you know when you're fat, they see you too. 
Just saying. Mm -hmm. They really do. I'm just telling you that. I just thought I'd, I thought the guy who asked me out last week was asking me to preach his church. He asked me if I was available. <laughs> I was like, where's your church? He said, I don't have a church. I'm asking you out. I'm so naive. I'm so naive. <laughs> first time to marriage. No, not anymore. I woke up. So uh, I want to read something to you that's happened. I was sitting thinking about Ted and sitting about my friend Richard and how God's doing something in their life. And, and you know what really can come on you is what's it for? When you see these people die around you, you see my brother, the great man of God died. What's it for? You know, God, what's happening to what they did for the kingdom of God? And then you see all his works, all the things my brother had written, all his Bible course and everything that not much is being done with it except through my brother and I, my other brother and I. And uh, that literally the ministry was just thrown on the bus like, well, he was here, he's gone. But it's not true. There's a ripple effect mm -hmm. to the Spirit of God that's in your lives. What you speak, be it to your children, be it to your grandchildren, be it to through the internet, whatever you are as a child of God, through the servant of the ministry of helps or whatever, there's a ripple effect, folks. God does not take back the words that he's given you if you're speaking by the Spirit of God. When you're travailing by the Spirit of God, you're sowing into the very atmosphere. You're seeding things, that prophetic intercession that will come forth in due season. And, and so, and so, and so, and so, and so. I got a letter. I was sitting there after I'd gone to Ted's, and I thought, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. And we're praying, believing God for this miracle. And I'm not going to let this one die. And I'm telling the Lord what I'm doing. And I got a letter. And I want to show you something. My father has been dead since 1980. Okay, somebody likes me. <laughs> it was not my stomach. That was hearts. <laughs> and my father, though his body's dead, his spirit man, his legacy still continues. Mm -hmm. It's just like we are here because of the ripple effect to the obedience of Paul, of Ezekiel, Amen. of Anna, of all the men and women of God that you read, and some of you have never even heard their names, we are a ripple, a product of their teachings that the Spirit of God inspired them to put pen to paper or to prophesy to the atmosphere, and that's why we are here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where there's a ripple effect to the anointing. And so this young girl wrote me this letter, and it came out of nowhere. Never knew she even existed, but she wrote me this. Now, you can understand, my dad was an alcoholic. My mother was an alcoholic. My brother starved for food. My family did not have a lot. They were the whitest, poorest trash of Cape Town, South Africa. Because my dad drank up all the money. Okay, and my mother did too. But when Jesus came in our house, he transformed it. He changed it. It wasn't perfect, but it was always in a place of perpetual perfection, of metamorphosis, of change. And this girl wrote me this. Hi, Robin. My name is Bianca and I am the granddaughter of Matthew Rath. He was your father's cousin, their mothers were sisters. We heard stories of when your mother would take the kids to my granddad's parents' home when things got bad at home with your dad. My grandfather was similar age to Drummond and recalled the fear of the kids hiding under the bed and the fighting when the home was consumed by alcohol abuse. It was the reason he died in his 80s, never touching a drink. It is the reason I am at 32, also, I've never drunk alcohol. His story impacted, talking about my father, his book, The New Wine is Better, it's on, on Amazon, okay? His story impacted me so, 
I've grown up hearing the miraculous story of your father's transformation, and I'm reading his book now, passed down by my late grandfather. I wanted to look up who his kids were. Being our family, even though we are all on other sides of the world, we immigrated to New Zealand. Now, this is my family, this girl. She's my family. I never heard of her until two days ago. She said, being on other sides of the world, she says this, our family is pastoring and attending a spiritual church in Auckland, New Zealand. I just wanted to touch base with you and say hi. I am so hungry for God to do so something out of the box as in the days of old. And your family is inspiring me to be believing God for the impossible. Keep well and be blessed. It would be great to hear what God is doing in your life as your incredible family legacy continues. Lots of love, your family in New Zealand, Bianca. What a letter. What a letter. Do you know some of you are products of prayers that you probably don't even know? Your grandparents, your great-grandparents. If you look, and I'm not here to bring accolades to anything, but if you look at a man named Clarence Sexton, Clarence Sexton is a Baptist pastor. Whenever I thought of the Baptists, I had bad looks on Baptists. I thought, oh, they don't speak in tongues, therefore they can't go to heaven. But I've grown up since then, and I found out they do go to heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Speaking in tongues does not mean you're not going to heaven. Mm -hmm. But Clarence Sexton was the most amazing man of God. And I've read, I mean, he's still alive. I hope he is. And every now and then, I read his stories. And he's written a, a sermon called Revive Us Again. Has anybody heard this? Mm -mm. Have you heard it? Okay. Well, you know, God appoints who comes into power. God appoints the presidents. God appoints them. God gives the people the desires of their heart. You know? So here we are. Here is Clarence Sexton, and I'm going to have to move this down, so just give me a minute to get to it. Is that Bluetooth not on this? It's on that, isn't it? Yeah. I can hook it to that if you need it. Well, let me just do this, because I want, I want you to hear this, if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to Bluetooth it. Turn that other Bluetooth off. I want you to hear this very quickly. Okay. You've never heard Clarence Sexton? The name sounds familiar. Maybe I'll okay. recognize it. Maybe. Bluetooth on. Samsung Wireless? Is that Samsung? It's, uh, hold on, I'll tell you. Just a second, sorry. Um, it's SRSX. B20. You see it? Yeah, as long as you take the Bluetooth of mine, it'll look this one up. Right. I'm okay, so on we're that. doing that right now. Clarence Sexton got to talking about revival. How many are hungry for a move of God? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. oh. How many are sick of hearing the media? Yeah. Um, How many know there's a legacy that God has for this nation? Amen. And that God has predestined it from the beginning of time. He makes the mountains, he tears the mountains down. He puts the valleys, he, he makes them flow with honey, he makes them flow with milk, he makes them flow with streams of living waters. When you're in a valley, God will cause the flow of heaven to flow through your life, and you will find out that he's not forsaken you. So I am trying very hard to get this. It may not connect onto this. Here, so, I'll redo. Okay, redo. But anyway, I'm going to go to YouTube quickly, and I want you just quickly to hear this, because it is... Oh, of course, my pen's run out of whatever juice, but it's over here.
You want me to help? Okay, I'll just put it where I needed it to be. <coughs> Here we go. If it won't work, I can do it through my phone. Don't you love patience? It's the most incredible virtue. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. I like the Trinity to five o'clock. <laughs> I'm preaching Trinity tonight. We don't have a mic in here, do we? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, this thing's persnickety. There it is. Oh, I took it off. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Got it. So I want you to hear this, okay? Clarence Sexton. Worth it, Carol, I promise you. You're gonna say, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Don't you love it whenever you get to do something everything wants to install when you have? They rejoice in thee. My thy people rejoice in thee. That's what God says He wants to give us in revival. Happy in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. Not serving God like that to pull people's teeth to get them to do it. You know, I know that in my own life because there's times when I have really been rejoicing in the Lord. Don't we need that yes. in our movement if there is such a thing? Don't we? Don't we? Don't we need that? Yes. You know, I agree with I agree with Brother Hardy. We have a window, just a little window. Here it goes. If we mistake the window. For the work God is doing. Just the window to get through and do the work. For the work God is doing. If we miss that. We may never have the window again. We do have a little window. It's a window. But what we need with that window. Is revival. And we have just a little window. God help me say. What I'm about to say. I am grateful to be here. I guess I, I want to say this is the hope of America. Not, not the capital connection. That's a great thing. But the capital connection is the fruit of something else. It's the fruit of spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-empowered preachers and churches. You can't do what you want to do to influence the people you want to influence without getting that root right. And we understand that. We're not trying to substitute this for the church. You know, there was a great revival in the Hebrides in the early 1900s. Hebrides of Scotland. Began to move. Moved up to the pleading for it into the 40s. Maybe we could say it topped out in the early 50s. Two old women, one was 84 years old and one was 82 years old. One was blind and one was humped over so badly with spinal stenosis, just, just arched over. But they had passion for revival. They wanted God to work. This, this is what happened. They couldn't even get out to the church to pray. They couldn't even get out to the church to worship their house became a place to meet. People came in. They got so passionate about revival coming to the, their isle, the Isle of Lewis. They got so passionate about it. 
They confronted the preacher and wanted to know if he was thoroughly right with God. <laughs> and they prayed and prayed and prayed. And they'd seen the Lord, they said, with the church filled up. And God blessing and a great overflow. And the fire of God struck. That tiny little obscure place off the coast of Scotland. And when it happened, there was a young teenage boy that got saved in it. His name was Donald. And the preacher became so dependent upon Donald and so close to Donald, he would ask him to lead in public prayers and help him with the meetings. <coughs> and did. Oh, how God worked. People began to hear about it, and the revival fire spread. It spread. And God blessed in a, in a great way. Those two old women, the people, kind of people, people won't in the church anymore. And... From that same island, there was a, a young girl who was a cousin to Donald Smith who immigrated to America. Her name was Marianne Smith McLeod. She came to America and in 1936. She met a man named Fred. And they were married. They fell in love. They were married. God bless her a great way. And those old women were her aunts. And they came out of that fiery revival. That fiery revival. They really experienced revival. And they sent a Bible, a copy of the Word of God that had been used in a special way in that revival to Marianne. She started having children. I think it was 1937, she had her first child. They named him after his father, Fred. Then she had her second child, named after herself, Marianne. Then she had her third child, Elizabeth. Then she had her fourth child. And she was so impacted by this teenage boy God had used in that revival of the Hebrides. She named him Donald. And she gave him that Bible, that Hebrides Revival Bible. He was born in 1946. He's now the 45th president of the United States. And that revival Bible is in the Oval Office. I'm saying to you, I don't know how, why, I don't know how it all comes together. But I, but I believe God is putting some things together to give us just a window, just a window, if he, if he could find some open people who know what the wind is for. Lee Robertson said to me, Clarence, have Ian Paisley preach. I said, well, Dr. Robertson, Ian Paisley? Oh, so yes, John R. Rice had him preach for his birthday. Tom Malone had him preach for revival. Have him preach. He'll, he'll come maybe. You call Northern Ireland and ask him. He's a Baptist. He left the Baptist Union and started the Free Presbyterian Church. But he's the only man I know. The only man I know. So Dr. Robertson said. Who lived through real revival. In Northern Ireland more than 200,000 people were in the street one time. He was preaching to them. People ran out of their houses begging someone to show them how to be saved. 
He said that's what he has seen with his own eyes and felt with his own eyes. I've been in Ireland for the last become. 14 years and I've seen it. Well, I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I go and I'm seeing it. But he came. And he talked about what happened. And my heart got. The Lord spoke to me at the beginning of this year and even before. And he said to me last year, he said, Robin, I have needed them. Tell them I have needed them. Tell them I have needed them. And all it is raising up the laborers. And it's been a long time since I've ever been in meetings, except mine or Pastor Ron. It's very few sporadic where I've seen an altar call mm. to call in the laborers, mm -hmm. to call in the people who commit themselves to ministry. To do, I mean, literally, we need to get back to that place where we recognize they're saved, healed, delivered, and set free, but there is also a need of salvation that God doesn't just save you to keep you bottled up in a pew. God wants to flow through you. Amen. Not every one of us. God just wanted to use you. Those two little ladies never quit. You know, they weren't the flavor of the month. My brother got into his 70s. He wasn't the flavor of the month as far as getting cold all the time to come preach. But I'll tell you what, God never left him nor forsook him. God always sustained his finances and took care of him. And his word continues to this day. Books and books and books my brother has written. My father died when he was 65 years old. He died too young. I prophesied his death to him three years before it even happened. Told him what he asked me. That doesn't matter. The point is this. The word that God places in your spirit, in intercession, in travail, in prayer, in just what Carolyn has written volumes, they should be in books. I don't know why she's not put them in books. Somebody should slap her. But anyway, I'm just saying, she should have things put out there. You know, all she's gathered, she's like a hen that has gathered in the nest, into her nest, people that have need of God, that are hungry for God, that are thirsty of God, but at the same time, she wants you to fly. She mm -hmm. wants you to soar. She'll kick you out of the nest and say, mm -hmm. hey, you need to take what God has birthed. She'll ruffle your feathers sometimes. She ruffled my feathers every now and then. But at the same time, it's a good thing for somebody to ruffle your feathers because you know who you are being created to is in Christ Jesus, not into that person. And what that person is doing is they're stirring your spirit man to press in to seek the Lord. They're stirring your spirit man. There's people I get around with that I don't have a comfort zone with. I just don't. I'm like, dear God, get them away from me right now, God. And then the Lord makes me stay around them, and it bothers me. I'm like, God, I don't want to be around this person. Please get them away from me. You know? I'm like, dude, I mean, there's one lady I know that every time I have a meeting at this front church, she's always front and center to get to come. I can have a healing mind. I can have... You know, you need a new arm, she'll be up there. I mean, a new toe, she'll be up there. I mean, it's just never, she doesn't need none of it. But she's forefront, up front. And, you know, I see now, thank God, at least she's hungry. At least she just wants God to touch her. You know, other people say, oh, that fried chicken is going to reopen. All the, all the fried, you know, I mean, more concerned with what's lunch. God has need of you. He has need of your voice. He has need of your talents. He has need of your heartbeat. He just wants to use you. There's somebody here this morning, you've been suffering. You might be suffering from, I, I feel like in my heart, like you're suffering from diabetes. And at times the pancreas can hurt. But God has need of you. That pancreas, God will heal. He's already healed it through his stripes and he shed, that he's shed it, they took it Calvary. But he has need of you. And the physical, you know, I look at my physical right now, 
because I've been in the ministry, I walked in the ministry, I didn't weigh this much. People did this to me. It was not just me putting a fork to my mouth. I had gone to places that I'm on a diet, I need a salad, and they've taken me to Pizza Hut for the salad bowl. I'm just saying, they are wined and dined. I was used to, to I was used to, what do you call it, the Golden Burrell and Ryan's Steakhouse. Then I find salt breaths, and that oh, was yeah. Joanna's fault because her and that old group from that old glow thing made me go to the salt breaths and forced me to go to the salt breaths steakhouse and made me eat. And I'm just saying that. But at the same time, it doesn't matter what the outward is. God is dealing with this. But what it is is what's your heart like? Yeah. You know, my heart has fainted inside of me for times because of my body and the pain that I've suffered. They left me on a tarmac here in Newark. Left me in a wheelchair on a tarmac because I couldn't walk to this bus. And they left me sitting. I watched my plane turn around. I watched people get off my plane and people get back on the plane. And the plane left. And I was sitting there. I watched it being pushed out. And I'm sitting there going, I'm supposed to be a mighty woman of God. And they just left me on the tarmac. How do you not see this guy? No, I didn't do that. I just sat there and sat waited. I didn't sue United. <laughs> I could have. I could have. But instead, I'm just like, okay, God, it's okay. And I got on. I got on. I got on the bus. Got an Uber. From there, I'm going to preach the sermon I had to preach that morning. Shook it off. Got to shake it off. God's doing something right now. Yeah. There's somebody here. God's going to heal your diabetes. Whatever. Who has need of this miracle this morning? There's somebody here. You need a miracle in your body, and God is touching you right now. Somebody else here, it's like God is moving in your cornea, in the retina. It's like I just bind every demonic spirit that will come against your cornea, against the strength of your vision, of your eyesight right now. I speak the healing balm of Gilead to move through your body. Right now, I break every yoke over you right now in Jesus' name, and I lose healing through your body. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody else right now, it's like your fingers at times cripple up from arthritis. God is restoring the lubrication to the very bones. The marrow is being filled with the right amount of the, you know, the, the Bible says, fat be the marrow of thy bones. God is bringing in the right consistency that needs to be in the marrow of your bones right now because your bones, somebody here, your bones become brittle. They become brittle. I bind every tormenting, tremonic spirit, every spirit of alcohol, of, 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 well, I don't want to say alcoholism, of infirmity. And I command it to loose you right now and set you free. Free in Jesus' name. It has to go from you right now. I loose the working of miracles through your bodies right now. Whatever you have need of, this is your day to say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I speak right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody here, the blood pressure has been like a pump organ. Mm -hmm. Just going up and down and up and down and up and down. And God right now is healing that blood. It's one minute's up, and the next minute's too low. One minute, they can't get it right. I loose the healing balm of Gilead to flow through your pressures of your body. That your capillary veins will operate normal. That your veins will operate normal. That your tricuspid valve, your atrial valve, whatever it is in your heart that races at times, and they're trying to get it to pace a certain way, I speak, be made whole in Jesus' name. I loose the working of miracles. Listen, the Spirit of God's all over this place right now. Mm -hmm. Spirit of God's all over this place. There's healing in this place. There's healing in this place. Manifested healing power. Oh, it's pouring upon you like sweet oil. Sweet oil. Saturate them in your healing anointing. 
I bind every attack that would come against this ministry, against other ministries in this place. I loose the working of miracles to be in operation in this house. I loose the working of miracles right now. In the name of Jesus, we bow down, Father, we lay down our crowns and we say, Hallowed be thy name. For you are holy, God. We honor you. It's not about us, God. We can't do anything, but you, God, can do all things. And therefore, God, we surrender. We lay ourselves before thee, and we cry, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy world be done. Hallowed be thy name. <clears throat> we cry, Holy. Holy, 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 Father. We bow down. <clears throat> we lay our crown. At the feet of Jesus. That's where it's at, folks. When you lay everything at his feet. Your greater love. Your mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus. We cry. Holy, 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 holy. Some of you might feel like your arms have been cut. Like you feel like you have no strength anymore to continue. You're weary. Your faith has been put to the test. Rise, arise, my beloved. And all you have to do is says the Lord is come away with me. Come on. Come away with me. Let's have a moment where we just talk. Let me share my heart with you. Let me pour my sweet wine into your spirit, man. Let me cause you to be awakened by my vision and by my thoughts. Come away, says the Lord, for there is much to be shared. There's much to be talked about. Come away. For I would that you would commune with me, that we would have communion together, 
that we would sit and share the things of heaven. And I will show you my vision and I will show you my thoughts and I will reveal to you things that are only caught by my spirit, says the Lord, that cannot be bought. So come away, says the Lord, for there is much to be done in this hour. And it is those that are spirit fed and spirit led that shall walk in my anointing and my power. Come away, says the Lord. Let the utterances of heaven pour forth, for out of your belly it shall flow. And they will say it's like oil from heaven is moving upon them, like honey from the honeycomb. And they will say, surely this is one I thought I knew. But look, they've been changed, transformed by the glory. Oh, says the Lord, come away. Come away, I've chosen thee. I've called thee by name. I've said to thee, come, let's walk this way. Oh, let go of what's been. Let go of the brokenness. Let go of the failures. Let go of the disappointments. Let go of the offense and the condemnation. For the Lord says, I have need of thee. Come away with me. Come, says the Lord. I will be your father. I will be your friend. I will be your brother. I will speak things into your spirit that no man can speak. For I know the very, very utterance in deep within. I know your thoughts, says the Lord. And I would that you would come away, that I would teach you my word and teach you my ways. Come away, says the Lord. For there is much to be done. The harvest, can you not see the harvest? Oh, multitudes stand in the gap. Multitudes crying, weeping before me, says the Lord. And the Lord says, the Lord says, come, come, let's rejoice together. Let us go into the mountain of my heartbeat and let us sing of my praises. Let us sing of my love. Let us declare, oh, no defeat shall ride this world. No defeat shall rally against my people for the nation shall rise up and they will sing. I am their Lord. I am the Lord, says the Lord. They will sing of my wonders. They will sing of my beauty. They will sing of my grace. For the Lord says, I died. I gave my breath that you would have life. I gave my breath that the nations would be stirred and know that I am alive. I am not dead in a grave. I'm alive, says the Lord. So come away, says the Lord. Come away with me. Let's talk. Let's let me hear your voice. Let me feel the kisses of your lips. Let me hear your songs that you would sing unto me of praise. Even of weeping, even of times when you did not know what to say, the Lord says, I will bring into you in due season what must be spoken. And I will break off you the dry rotted limbs the enemy tries to put around you. I will break from you the vines that would try and choke you. And I will say, come away. Come away, says the Lord, for there is so much that I would release in and through you that must be spoken that your eyes will not be dim and your spirit would be very awakened, awakened that the spirit of the Lord is mighty upon your life. I am mighty upon your life. I am mighty in thee. I will flow like a wild river would flow even out after, after the snow has melted. I will flow even as a torrential rain would come from a cloud that would burst forth. I will flow, says the Lord, through thee in such a way that you will feel like you've literally tasted the honey from the honeycomb. And you said, the Lord caught me. He called me away and I went with him. And we sat and we talked and I feared the words that he spoke and I reverenced his heartbeat. And the Lord listened to what I would say unto him even as we spoke. And look what the Lord has done now. He has broken bread into my spirit. He has caused me to drink the wine that would come from the covenant of his blood. 
and look what the Lord is doing. He has set me free to recognize I have an anointing. He has endued me with power. He has endued me with vision. He has endued me with an utterance that must be spoken. Though in silence at times, though as a roar of a lion, I will speak what the Lord would say. For the Lord has said to me, come away. And I said, Lord, I will come with thee. I will run with thee. I will go upon the mountains with thee. I will declare from the very heights, the Lord is good. His favor, his mercy, it has endured. And it now proclaims through my life, I will be your trumpet, God. That must be trumpeted, the word that must be spoken in this hour. Here I am, God. Use me. In Jesus' name, Lord, I receive and I believe. You have need of me, therefore I surrender everything. I'll go away with thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Wow. I think I went away with the Lord. <laughs> God is so heavy in this room. Yes. Jesus. Someone sing surely the presence of the Lord. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the rush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the
my friend and you are my brother even though you are king of kings and I love you more than any the other so much more to us in greater depths, in greater ways. But God, that we would come to that place where we would make time for you and that we would seek your face. For Father, there's nothing we can do without you. You're our all in all. You're our everything. Father, I recall a time when people were so hungry that all you had to do was rent a town hall and put up a notice saying, come meet the God that heals, come meet the God that saves, come meet the God that sets the captives free. God, they would come. They would come out of the darkness, they would come out of the townships, out of the villages. I remember a time, Father, as a young girl going to meetings here in this country where God, the miraculous, was in manifestation and the people would come. God, I ask in this day and hour that the same spirit that stirred people to come, even as the Cambridge Revival God in Kentucky, where nobody announced anything but in one week over 20,000 people showed up because the spirit of God wooed them and drew them. God, we're asking for a great awakening in this nation. 
We're asking God for a wooing. We're asking God that you would come and draw us to come and meet with you. That people will come. I break the spirit of enslavement that has become a religious mindset upon your people. I break the yoke that would veil their minds and scale their eyes. I loose the anointing of God to stir up this nation to weep, to cry, to travail. That they would come back to cry out for the heartbeat of heaven. That they would seek your face and know you. I ask God that you would stir, stir, stir the body of Christ. Stir the pulpits. Stir the preachers. Stir the evangelists, the pastors, the missionaries, the teachers. Stir the prophets. Alert them and shake them. Bring them into that place where they first met you. That God, the fear of the Lord, would be the garment they walk in. That they will not look around and listen to what people are saying, but they'll yield to your voice and they'll not be perplexed about how they're going to pay this and how they're going to make a way. For God, it's you who have already made the way. You've paved it through Golgotha. You paved it through that blood you shed. You paved it through that breath that you gave at Calvary. And God, we stand today and we cry out. We cry out for mercy upon this land, upon our government, upon Hollywood. We cry out for mercy, God, upon these people. That God, that are blind to your vision, blind to the power of the cross, blinded for they are weak and they know not your voice. But God, I ask God that you would bring mercy. And that you would go through this land, Father, with a winnowing hand, with a winnowing fork. And God, you would bring in the sheaves, and you would bring in the harvesters. That you, Lord, you would stir up the harvesters. I ask God for mercy on those that compromise, that's become complacent, that are not looking to you, but they're looking to themselves and how they're going to make it and how they're going to retire in their ministries. God, it's not about that. It's about Jesus, our hope of glory. Father, I cry out for the move of God upon a generation that's been fatherless, that doesn't know your power. I speak to this demonic spirit of addiction, this demonic spirit of lies that's been seeded in the hearts of a generation that don't know what it is to know your power. God, I ask for all these mystical religions that are trying to rise up in this hour, that God, you would expose their darkness. You would expose their demonic witchcraft activity. And that, God, you would bring forth a pure and holy remnant that will stand and say, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That they will not be perplexed by trying to please the people and tickle the ears of the church. But they'll say, oh, I stand in fear of you, God, and I will speak what you have me speak. And though they slay me, still I will serve you. God, let this church that be about your business in this hour be about your business and not their own. Let them be as Paul. When the snake tried to bite him, that he threw the snake in the fire. No matter what comes against us, we throw it back into the fire. When we say, Satan, thus far, no further. We are children of the Most High God. And we will be the breath and we will be the eyesight. We will be the hand extended. And we will do all that he's caused us to speak and to say. For it's not our life. Our life is not our own. It's God's life. In Jesus' name, I call in the harvesters. I call them in, in this hour, to take their place. Arise, O sons of God. Arise, O daughters of heaven. And speak what must be spoken and bring in the harvest. For this is a very quick window of time. For the Spirit of God, the window of time is now, says the Lord. For it's getting ready to shut. And there will be great travail and there will be great judgment. So cry out to me now 
for it is time to seek my face and know my healing power, my delivering power, my mercy for this hour, says the Lord, for surely I come quickly. Awake, 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 my beloved, and run in the fire, in the flames, and be the flame that I would have thee be and light it across the land, says the Lord of thee. wonderful to meet here, but there's coming a repositioning. There's coming a repositioning. Stop looking for the lay of the land. There's coming a repositioning. Hallelujah. 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 I'm repositioning myself by the Spirit right now. I'm doing something that's totally out of my comfort zone. don't really want to do it, but have to do it because the Lord's given me and told me that I needed to do it right now. And I'm doing it. And when it's said and done, I'm going to go, wow. Look what the Lord has done. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Used to be all I wanted was a house. And now I'm like, I don't care if I ever hold the home. I'll, get, I'll live out of the back of my car. I'm just going to go preach the gospel. Amen. That's all I want. You know, I thought about getting a fifth wheeler. And then I thought, ah. <laughs> Last one, I know. When it's time, it'll happen. When it's time. Where he leads the eye the spoke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah time. 
church has been so worried. Oh, what are we going to do about this occult and that occult? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do? You're not going to do nothing. You haven't done nothing yet. You never did anything to begin with. Jesus did it for you. So get a grip. Quit trying to figure out what you're going to do. You can't do it. Don't be stupid. Let Jesus do it. You know, I mean, you can't fix it. Only Jesus can fix it. What are we going to do about that? Oh, no. What are we going to do about Fox News? What are we going to do about CNN? What are we going to do about that? <laughs> what are you going to do? You're not going to do nothing. You're going to pray. You're going to be who God's called you to be. Quit trying to figure it out. Just right. let it go. Let it go. Yeah. All it does is yoke you. All it does That's is bring it. you down. What am I going to do? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like those vultures in the jungle. What are we going to do? I don't know. What are we going to do? Those same good vultures on the tree, you know? I don't know what we're going to do. Well, you don't know what you're going to do. You won't know how I to listen. I was like, you know, I'm getting so lost in this, what are we going to do thing? Would you stop it, Lord? What are we going to do? <laughs> Just keep hearing the Lord say, so what are you going to do? Yeah. You haven't done it yet. You can't do it. I do it through you. That's He's it. able. It. Just let go. Just relax in me. Just rest in me. Have a Holy Ghost massage. Yeah. Just get wrapped up in me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the oil of heaven is permeating yeah. your spirit, man. Mm-hmm. I go to places, oh, you need to your feet are small. We need to put some essential oils in there. I rub my feet. It feels great. Uh-huh. Feet are so swollen afterwards, but they feel great. I feel praise God. You sent these people to do something to rub my feet. Thank you, Jesus. I love those. Uh-huh. <laughs> it always things, you know. Yeah. It's always stuff. What are you going to do? <clears throat> oh, you need to try this vitamin. It's really good. Mm, it is. Hallelujah. I went on a candida diet one time. Mm. Got rid of all these parasites. Mm. I did. Mm. Hallelujah. It was wonderful. They came back. <laughs> <laughs> There's always going to be somebody out there to help you remain crucified. Turn yeah. your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. You can't fix it. Amen. You can't. When the, when the rat came, the mouse came, took the sausage out of my frying pan out of the house I was renting. I was oh, like, what? I can show you a video. Mm-hmm. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm making breakfast. There was the mouse. And I spoke to it. But you're supposed to speak to it. It's supposed to flee. You've got to let me know that God created it. It was there. You know? It's like those two elephants that got off the ark. Mm. Said that was the worst cruise we ever took in our life. It rained day and night. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I just looked. I said, "Oh, that's a mouse." Somebody gave me a, a seventy-four foot bounder. I stayed there for two years on Pastor Rodney Howard Brown's property. They had people there. He had a team that took care of me. And then one day I realized when they came and told me that there were maggots in the toilet. I was like, "Well, that was it. The bounder needed to leave because I wasn't cleaning out the maggots." I blessed another ministry with it. They can get rid of the maggots. <laughs> and they did. They sold it, made $11,000 on the thing. I said, be blessed. That's what it's about. What are you going to do with it? You know? Hallelujah. Jesus. I'm getting fleshy now. Go, I'm thinking of all the stuff I've got to do at home. I couldn't realize, like, I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to hire it, though. Amen. I am. People say, how are you going to hire it? The money will come in. I'll hire it, though. God's got angels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? That yes. Get me one of those pods, not an iPod. I'll get a pod. Storage <laughs> pod. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Can't take it with you anyway. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think I'm totally wasted. Carolyn, this has been such a great meeting. I'm glad I showed up and the Holy Ghost was here. Amen. 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 Had you ever heard that Clarence Sexton with that? Uh, Everybody's revival. No, I had heard, I knew I knew the story, but he told it so beautifully, so much more so than I've ever. Oh, heard. I've been listening to all these people that I would never listen to on the internet. I never listened. 
apostolic, there's an apostolic woman out there. I mean, that woman's got her hair tied up, looks like she had a facelift. But she's powerfully anointed. I mean, she's powerfully anointed. She's like 82 years old, preaching the fire of God down on the place. Let's not talk about 80 year olds. Why? Are you 80? You're not 80. I thought I'd turn 59, I'd die. And I said, God, I'm dead. Just take me out. <laughs> <laughs> so not, not, not yet, I'm not. You're not 80. Today is 80 is yesterday 60. That's fine. Let me tell you, my best friend, in, she's been to Africa twice with me, Joyce, her mama, now she's a little African woman, her mama's 95 years old, went to the hospital. They were, they were going to put her on life support. She's going to die now. The whole family, you know, the whole family came in from the Carolinas to say goodbye. Everybody showed up to say goodbye. Joyce has been watching her, you know, stays there. And hasn't been able to go to work because she's going to help her mama. Well, a week ago, her mother, two weeks ago, her mother says to her, Joyce, Jesus came and told me he healed her. <laughs> well, everybody thought well, he's calling her home. Because that's the person 95 years old. He's healing her. He's going to call her home, you know. Hey, the woman's healed. I mean, she is not dying. She's fine. <laughs> she's healed. Jesus came and healed her. It's like we were waiting for her to die. You know, I called Joyce every day. Has it happened yet? Call me. Because that way Joyce said, I gave him, I told Jesus, take her now. So we're waiting for her to die. We released her. She's not dying. <laughs> no. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. 95 years old. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that old. My mother's 98. Oh, and she's still living. Mm -hmm. yes, my mother was 85. Mm -hmm. She still remembers who I am. Mm -hmm. well, hallelujah. Anybody got a testimony? Got a testimony? Are you really seeing? And a gorgeous body. You got my body. It's trapped. <laughs> I have that body. I have that body. It's trapped. The size of one of my legs. I'm crazy. 95. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I know exactly when I was born. And I, my memory's pretty good. Uh, 1924, February 14th. Well, Valentine's Day. My dad was born on Valentine's. You were great. Yeah. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. We could get we love here. you. Yes. yes. I love all of you, and that's why I'm here. Amen. That's why I'm so happy that. I'm so glad I got to be here. I'm so glad that the Lord's allowed me to come. And I'm so glad. I keep waiting for Carolyn to hear from Jesus, but she, I have to call her. No, I didn't call you. I just said I was coming to I don't know how it even came about. How did you know I was coming to Houston? You, yeah, you're telling me you were going to be here? Yeah. I asked you about Tuesday. I said, come on. Well, I thought Roger was going to be here. I was coming to hear Roger because yeah. I told her yeah. I'm going to go hear Roger. Right, yeah. So. Yeah. This must be the reef project here today or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Roger got an open door for a really large church in California. Is it Mark Spitzberger? Yeah, I forget who it is. But one day that might have been told me back on that. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I would have left. I had uh, to do a meeting with the Renfro, Sid Renfro is out of the Appalachian Mountains up in um, Kentucky. And they are Tommy Bates, Jensen Franklin, that's the whole group. Now, I am not part of this group because I don't wear pantyhose and choke a goat. I don't dress in these skirts that go down your three quarters of your legs. I'm just not very. I'm just not the whole Pentecostal do bun, PhD bun, you know? <laughs> and so, um, Sid is so excited. One of the pastors asked me to come to a meeting with her, and she followed me around. Now, this woman is a, her husband was healed of cancer. 
I mean, you could say stage five. Tumors were hanging off his body, hanging. Yes, tumors were hanging. Her husband was healed of this. His doctor was telling him to heal. And they just run in a huge circle. And Sid has tons and tons of, she was on TV all the time, she all this stuff. And she comes to the meeting to do a meeting with me. And I'm thinking, how is this going to flow? Because it's two total opposites, streets. Do you know, she said to me, I want you to minister because I want to follow you. I want you to mentor me. I need you to teach me. We are not allowed. She said this to me. Maybe I was leaving. She <laughs> said, um, they are on time limits of how they preach. But she said, you just flow. How do you do that? How do you just flow like that? She's not a flow. She knows how to give a sermon, write a sermon, do the whole thing. But just to flow. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's a rare breed that flows. Mm-hmm. You know? But that was an honor. So apparently she's told me, I'm going to invite you to the manor to come preach. I was like, that was seven months ago. I'm going to go to the manor. This thing. Go into the manor. I don't care if I go to the manor or not. I'll tell one story. One story. I'd been on a parasite cleanse up in Florida. Literal parasite cleanse. They stuck me on New Smyrna Beach in a cottage, living on olive oil, salmon. There were no sugar in the house until I opened the dishwasher on the last day and found all the little babies. But until then, I did not know it. So I'm on this whole parasite cleanse. I had no idea what I was doing, just drinking vitamin C crystals. So by the third, fourth day, I had no strength in my body. Everything's all the sugars out of my body. There's no parasites. Didn't even know I had parasites until somebody told me I did. And then they came and got me to take me to somebody's house because I'm getting ready to go home to Louisville. And the next thing I know, and I'm dirty, I've got old tennis shoes on, you know, the whole nine yards. Next thing I know, Robin, do you mind if we go to a house meeting? A house meeting. I said, no, I don't want to go to a house meeting. Get to this house meeting, valet parking. Valet parking, Islesworth, Florida. $10 million rolled marble. I walk in and Louis Vuitton was there, Chanel was there. <laughs> I mean, you name it, all the designers were there. Channel 55's daughter was there, that's a big Christian station in Florida. All the designers, all the who's who in the zoo is there. And I'm not a very, uh, I'm very, I'm not a huggy person, you know? So, I mean, I hug people, but I'm just very different. And the next thing I know, I walk in and they have these Disney singers from Disney. It's Christmas. They're all dressed up in Victorian outfits. They blow a bazooka, and then everybody gets the right key. And then they got their hands in a booth, and they hum, 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 hard fair, and all that. And then I'm laughing, because I just get crazy. I mean, it's just nuts out of my norm, you know? And everything's white rolled marble, and I'm, and then white white couches, and it's beautiful. Oh there are valets, people walking around, handing out glasses of water and tea and coffee. I mean, servants. So I'm sitting there. And I will never forget this as long as I live. All of a sudden, they said this. Our speaker, who was supposed to speak here, has heard her back. Her name's Kathy Lechner. She cannot be here today. And then they said this. So we're going to let people testify. Oh, my Lord. Well, I, the woman next to me is like, oh, my God. That's why you're here. <laughs> you're going to preach. And I'm looking at Louie and Chanel and all the rest of them. I am rich in this group. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. And she says, I'll speak. I said, I'm not speaking. Well, they had, we're going to have three testimonies. They get the first woman up. She said, well, you all know me. I'm an ex-retired professional golfer. All these were pros. They all were pro sports people that are retired. Some of them not. She said, I'm a professional. You know, I'm retired. I hate Christmas. I hate Christmas. I hate it. I hate seeing my brother. I hate this. And she just went, it's supposing to be testifying about Jesus. (laughs) Nobody was testifying. 
So the person whose house we're in, who I didn't even know, says, everybody stretch your hands to our sister. She interrupts her and says, we're going to pray for them. So everybody prays for the sister for peace. Well, then the next woman gets up. Well, you know me. She said, you know what happened? My mother wants to come to visit me. And she fell. Thank God she didn't break her hip. She didn't broke her collarbone. But it's been hell. It's just been hell. Well, that was the second testimony. And I mean, I was sitting there, and I'm from Bellevue. I mean, my hair has not been washed. I'm looking terrible. I'm not like Louie in the red. I got Tommy Hilfiger's little, whatever those things are, on my feet. And then the next thing I hear the woman say, and I'm dying now. Now I'm dying because I can't stand you. It's not being glorified. So she said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to interrupt. But she interrupts the woman. Let's hold her little piece of hands. Pray for our sister who's not got peace. And she said, we're going to have one more speaker. Does anybody want to speak? Well, I raised my hands because I thought everybody would raise hands. Nobody raised their hands. Only I. And I'll never forget. As long as I, said, I got up there, I had no idea what I was going to say. But the minute I stepped in that pulpit, the Spirit of God fell on me. And I said, you know what? We're, this is Christmas. And we're here to celebrate the life of Jesus. This is the reason we're here. And I said, you know, that, that, that Jesus' life has put life in you. And out of my belly came this word. I had never seen it, never, ever spoke it. But I said, Hannah, God required to come to a place of meeting with him. And when she came to Shiloh, it was a place of sacrifice. It was a place of new beginnings. It was a place of birthing. And I said, when Hannah came to Shiloh and she met with the Lord, God birthed in her spirit and seated in her spirit a child named Samuel. <laughs> Hannah never knew she was carrying the office of a prophet. I said, you over here today are children of the Most High God if you're saved. You have Jesus Christ, the reason for the season, living inside of you. You don't know what you're carrying. You don't know the gift you have. You don't know what God wants to birth through you. And this word came out. It was really good. I mean, it was really good. This powerful word. I had to stroke my own ego half the time because I'm only the only woman out there amongst all the men in the zoo. And I said, the power of God blitz the place. And so, you know what? Then the woman says, we're going to have her pray for her. Ready for her? What prayer? Next thing I knew, half of Louis Vuitton and Chanel were running out the door. The religious demons ran. And then people just lined up. And all the room was cleared of the unbelief and the religion. The people lined up. That woman said to me afterwards, she said, who are you? They didn't know who I was. I said, my name is Robin Tom Rogers. And I gave him my dad's book and my dad's card. The woman looked at me and says, I know your dad. I, I knew your dad. I'd read this book. She was blown away. Never took me an offering, nothing. I walked out of that place. That woman, I was crazy. The richest house in the whole of Oswald, never no offering. And like three months later, I got a $500 check from their corporation. The woman mm -hmm. owns half of the Cadillacs with, with what's his name and everything else. I didn't care. And every time I turned around, she'd call me up and say, Can you come down here? And I'd go sit with her. And we'd go to the Orlando Country Club. And she said, you want to, you want to meet Tiger Woods? You want to meet this one? Can I walk for Rodney would be calling me, Rodney, can you get me a meeting there? Not a meeting, not a meeting. He said, can you get me a game at Islesworth? Because you can't play Islesworth unless you're a member. He didn't want a meeting. He wanted to, to play Islesworth. And I'm telling you, I, the glory of God, favor. I have favor wherever I go. Favor. I don't even speak to that person anymore. Not because it's just the husband died. I was in Betsy McCormick's house. Mark McCormick's a sports agent. Tiger Woods will try and control you. That's right. And you don't want to be controlled. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you who can come to your meetings and how you can do things. Yeah. I don't want that. I just want Jesus. Amen. That's all I want. That's what it's about, Sister Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. Is your son-in-law going to ever give me a diamond? I mean, I did prophesize marriage. Is he mad at me or something? <laughs> <laughs> She's always got all the nice and or gives me joke. Yeah. Can I be your daughter-in-law or something? <laughs> <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.